Well, it's the start of another week, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to say to me and to you as we read his word. Today, we are in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want to apologize. I wish in putting this reading plan together, I had included 2 Kings chapter 2. I failed to do that. That was my mistake. And chapter 2 of 2 Kings is where Elijah uh, is taken up to heaven without dying, caught up in a whirlwind, and then Elijah, so Elijah, who confronted Ahab on Mount Carmel, is succeeded as the leading prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel by a man named Elijah. So Elijah and Elijah. And I, I failed to have you read that chapter. That was my mistake. We pick it up in chapter 4. And um, so this Elijah is the new leader of the prophets, the prophets of God. And, and, and there are three, you know, just amazing stories uh, in this, three or four actually, in, in this chapter. He blesses the widow. Chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah. And we'll talk about the sons of the prophets in a minute. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And uh, Elijah tells her to gather as many pots and containers as possible and what little bit of oil she has. She begins pouring in them and she just keeps pouring. It just, it just keeps pouring, just keeps pouring until all of them are filled and she sells that. She and her son sell that and have enough money to pay off the creditors and to live on for a while. That's one beautiful story. Then down in verse 8, there's this woman um, who is childless and she shows hospitality. She's the wife of a, apparently of a wealthy landowner and shows great hospitality and, and support to Elijah in his ministry. And, uh, and he prays for her and God blesses her with a son. Then years later when that son is older and dies, uh, God uses Elijah to, uh, to, to raise him from, from the dead. Um, down in verse 38 and following, these sons of the prophets are eating some stew and they put some different things in it. And mistakenly, one the cook, I guess, put in it a plant that was poisonous and they realize it. And God allows Elijah to throw something into the pot, into the stew that, that reverses the, the poison and they all survive uh, and so on. And um, then in verse 40, there's this miracle uh, of taking 20 loaves of bread and it multiplies and feeds at least 100 sons of the prophets and maybe their families because we learn in this chapter they had families as well. So all of those are stories, but what spoke to me is not one of the stories. What spoke to me is the existence of the schools, the, son, the sons, if you will, the sons of the prophets. Um, what you had, and, we, and we, we get glimpses of this throughout parts of the Old Testament. Uh, Samuel, Samuel, we, we read in his story about sons of the prophets. Uh, the same thing with Elijah, and now Elijah. And there's other, other hints about these sons of the prophet. What, what it seems to be is that these leading prophets in, of God had what we would call schools of prophets, 
They had schools for men who were called of God to be mentored and trained under them. And, and, and there were more than one, and they were in different locations throughout the country. And, um, and so that's what's going on in this chapter with the story about the widow who comes and says her husband had died and he multiplies the oil, the, the pot of poisonous stew and the multiplication of bread. By the way, isn't that reminiscent of the story of Jesus multiplying the fish and feeding you know, the, the multitudes in the New Testament? But the schools of the prophets, training and mentoring these, these prophets so that they could do, do ministry uh, for the Lord. Um, investing in other leaders, investing in those who will succeed you, who will follow you. For instance, Elijah was a servant of, meaning he was one of the sons of the prophets under Elijah, and God used that to prepare him, equip him to succeed Elijah as prophet. And um, you know, God calls people into ministry, and I have to confess that that, that a real concern that I have and that a lot of ministry leaders today have is, is uh, what's described as a, a coming shortage of pastors in the years ahead. As fewer young people are answering God's call. Now, there are a lot of young people answering God's call, but not in the same numbers as in past generations. And there are going to be a lot of smaller churches in the future that are going to have a hard time finding a pastor and especially finding one who is qualified and one who is trained, one who is educated, and one who is equipped. And some people I know say, oh, that doesn't matter. Well, they had schools of prophets in the Old Testament, okay? Jesus spent three years investing heavily in his disciples before they could lead the ministry, equipping them. It matters. It matters. So we need to be praying about that. You need to be praying that young people in our church will hear the call of God and obey the call of God to ministry. Not just for today, but for tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And there's one more thing to be praying about. And if you're a younger person listening to me, Another burden I have is, is you know, when, when, when God called me to preach, he called me to preach, and I had to surrender to preach anywhere and go anywhere. But there's too many young people today who feel some sense of call from God, and they want to serve God, and they're genuine, but they only want to serve God on their terms. What do I mean by that? Serve God in this particular city this particular state, this particular region, unwilling to go forever, okay? Whether that means someplace else in America or someplace overseas, because we are called to serve Jesus, not just where we want to be, but wherever he sends us. And... Um, that's a burden. That's a burden. And if you're a young person sensing a call from God, don't you limit God and say, okay, yeah, I want to serve God, but this is the only thing I want to do, and this is the only place I want to do it. You don't get to tell God that. God tells you where and how. That's surrender to the will of God. And so the fact that not enough people are answering God's call 
And that some who answer it are putting limitations on it is a real burden I have for the future. It's also one of the reasons that I take time and invest in younger ministers. I do a lot of that this season of my life. I'm 65 years old now. And uh, back before Thanksgiving and Christmas, I, while I was in Myrtle Beach, I uh, met a young man who grew up in our church here, uh, Will Crute, who's in ministry serving on staff at a church in that area. And we spent about three hours together that day at lunch. Um, met uh, David Bennett, who grew up in our church, is on staff of another church somewhere in our state, and uh, spent time with him. And I'm go- and there's other pastors and 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 young. Pa- uh, I'm at a point in life where it would be a sin for me not to do that. But I'm asking you, as our church family, will you pray that teenagers will will surrender to Jesus, and will you pray that they will be willing to go wherever and do whatever He calls them to do, no limits on what God calls them to be and do. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow with another devotion.